Section 18 of the Interpretation of Dreams. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Interpretation of Dreams by Sigmund Freud. Translated by A. A. Brill. Section 18. Infantile Material as Source of Dream. Part 2. 1. After I have been traveling and have gone to bed hungry and tired, the prime necessities of life begin to assert their claims in sleep, and I dream as follows. I go into a kitchen in order to ask for some pudding. There three women are standing, one of whom is the hostess. She is rolling something in her hands as though she were making dumplings. She replies that I must wait until she has finished, not distinctly as a speech. I become impatient and go away affronted. I want to put on an overcoat, but the first I try on is too long. I take it off and am somewhat astonished to find that it is trimmed with fur. A second coat has a long strip of cloth with a Turkish design sewn into it. A stranger with a long face and a short pointed beard comes up and prevents me from putting it on, declaring that it belongs to him. I now show him that it is covered all over with Turkish embroideries. He asks, how do the Turkish drawings, strips of cloth, concern you? But soon we become quite friendly. In the analysis of this dream, I remember, quite unexpectedly, the first novel which I ever read, or rather, which I began to read, from the end of the first volume, when I was perhaps thirteen years of age. I have never learned the name of the novel, or that of its author, but the end remains vividly in my memory. The hero becomes insane, and continually calls out the names of the three women who have brought the greatest happiness and the greatest misfortune into his life. Pelagi is one of these names. I still do not know what to make of this recollection during the analysis. Together with the three women, there now emerge the three parse who spin the fates of men, and I know that one of the three women, the hostess in the dream, is the mother who gives life, and who, moreover, as in my own case, gives the child its first nourishment. Love and hunger meet at the mother's breast. A young man, so runs an anecdote, who became a great admirer of womanly beauty, once observed, when the conversation turned upon the handsome wet nurse who had suckled him as a child, that he was sorry that he had not taken better advantage of his opportunities. I am in the habit of using the anecdote to elucidate the factor of retrospective tendencies in the mechanism of the psychoneuroses. One of the parse, then, is rubbing the palms of her hands together as though she were making dumplings, a strange occupation for one of the fates, and urgently in need of explanation. This explanation is furnished by another and earlier memory of my childhood. When I was six years old and receiving my first lessons from my mother, I was expected to believe that we are made of dust and must therefore return to dust. But this did not please me, and I questioned the doctrine. Thereupon my mother rubbed the palms of her hands together, just as in making dumplings, except that there was no dough between them. 
and showed me the blackish scales of epidermis which were thus rubbed off as a proof that it is of dust that we are made great was my astonishment at this demonstration at oculos and i acquiesced in the idea which i was later to hear expressed in the words thou owest nature a death thus the women to whom i go in the kitchen as i so often did in my childhood when i was hungry and my mother sitting by the fire admonished me to wait until lunch was ready are really the parse and now for the dumplings at least one of my teachers at the university the very one to whom i am indebted for my histological knowledge epidermis would be reminded by the name knodel knodel means dumpling of a person whom he had to prosecute for plagiarizing his writings committing a plagiarism taking anything one can lay hands on even though it belongs to another obviously leads to the second part of the dream in which i am treated like the overcoat thief who for some time plied his trade in the lecture halls i have written the word plagiarism without definite intention because it occurred to me and now i see that it must belong to the latent dream content and that it will serve as a bridge between the different parts of the manifest dream content the chain of associations pelagi plagiarism pelagiostomy sharks fish bladder connects the old novel with the affair of knodel and the overcoats german ubert zero equals pullover overcoat or condom which obviously refer to an appliance appertaining to the technique of sex this it is true is a very forced and irrational connection but it is nevertheless one which i could not have established in waking life if it had not already been established by the dream work indeed as though nothing were sacred to this impulse to enforce associations the beloved name brock bridge of words see above now serves to remind me of the very institute in which i spent my happiest hours as a student wanting for nothing so will you at the breasts of wisdom every day more pleasure find in the most complete contrast to the desires which plague me german plagen while i dream and finally there emerges the recollection of another dear teacher whose name once more sounds like something edible fleischel fleisch equals meat like nodal equals dumplings and of a pathetic scene in which the scales of epidermis play a part mother hostess and mental derangement the novel and a remedy from the latin pharmacopoeia cuche equals kitchen which numbs the sensation of hunger in this manner i could follow the intricate trains of thought still farther and could fully elucidate that part of the dream which is lacking in the analysis but i must refrain because the personal sacrifice which this would involve is too great i shall take up only one of the threads which will serve to lead us directly to one of the dream thoughts that lie at the bottom of the medley the stranger with the long face and pointed beard who wants to prevent me from putting on the overcoat has the features of a tradesman of spilato of whom my wife bought a great deal of turkish cloth his name was popovic a suspicious name which even gave the humorous stettenheim a pretext for a suggestive remark he told me his name and blushingly shook my hand for the rest i find the same misuse of names as above in the case of Pelagi, Knodel, Brock, Fleischel. No one will deny that such playing with names is a childish trick. 
if i indulge in it the practice amounts to an act of retribution for my own name has often enough been the subject of such feeble attempts at wit goethe once remarked how sensitive a man is in respect to his name which he feels that he fills even as he fills his skin herder having written the following lines on his own name der du von gottern abstammt von gothen oder vom kot so seid ihr gotterbilder auch du staub thou who art born of the gods of the goths or of the mud thus are thy godlike images even dust i realize that this digression on the misuse of names was intended merely to justify this complaint but here let us stop the purchase at spilato reminds me of another purchase at cataro where i was too cautious and missed the opportunity of making an excellent bargain missing an opportunity at the breast of the wet nurse see above one of the dream thoughts occasioned by the sensation of hunger really amounts to this we should let nothing escape we should take what we can get even if we do a little wrong we should never let an opportunity go by life is so short and death inevitable because this is meant even sexually and because desire is unwilling to check itself before the thought of doing wrong this philosophy of carpe diem has reason to fear the censorship and must conceal itself behind a dream and so all sorts of counter thoughts find expression with recollections of the time when spiritual nourishment alone was sufficient for the dreamer with hindrances of every kind and even threats of disgusting sexual punishments two a second dream requires a longer preliminary statement i had driven to the western station in order to start on a holiday trip to the ausi but i went on to the platform in time for the ischl train which leaves earlier there i saw count thun who was again going to see the emperor at ischl in spite of the rain he arrived in an open carriage came straight through the entrance gate for the local trains and with a curt gesture and not a word of explanation he waved back to the gatekeeper who did not know him and wanted to take his ticket after he had left in the ischl train i was asked to leave the platform and return to the waiting room but after some difficulty i obtained permission to remain i passed the time noting how many people bribed the officials to secure a compartment i fully intended to make a complaint that is to demand the same privilege meanwhile i sang something to myself which i afterwards recognized as the aria from the marriage of figaro if my lord count would tread a measure tread a measure let him but say his pleasure and i will play the tune possibly another person would not have recognized the tune the whole evening i was in a high-spirited pugnacious mood i chafed the waiter and the cab driver i hope without hurting their feelings and now all kinds of bold and revolutionary thoughts came into my mind such as would fit themselves to the words of figaro and the memories of beaumarchais comedy of which i had seen a performance at the comedie francois the speech about the great men who have taken the trouble to be born 
the seigneurial right which count almaviva wishes to exercise with regard to suzanne the jokes which our malicious opposition journalists make on the name of count thun german thun equals do calling him graf nixthun count do nothing i really do not envy him he now has a difficult audience with the emperor before him and it is i who am the real count do nothing for i am going off for a holiday i make all sorts of amusing plans for the vacation now a gentleman arrives whom i know is a government representative at the medical examinations and who has won the flattering nickname of the governmental bedfellow literally by sleeper by his activities in this capacity by insisting on his official status he secured half a first-class compartment and i heard one guard say to another where are we going to put the gentleman with the first-class half compartment a pretty sort of favoritism i am paying for a whole first-class compartment i did actually get a whole compartment to myself but not in a through carriage so there was no lavatory at my disposal during the night my complaints to the guard were fruitless i revenged myself by suggesting that at least a hole be made in the floor of this compartment to serve the possible needs of passengers at a quarter to three in the morning i wake with an urgent desire to urinate from the following dream a crowd a students meeting a certain count thun or Taffe, is making a speech being asked to say something about the germans he declares with a contemptuous gesture that their favorite flower is colt's foot and he then puts into his buttonhole something like a torn leaf really the crumpled skeleton of a leaf i jump up and i jump up but i am surprised at my implied attitude then more indistinctly it seems as though this were the vestibule aula the exits are thronged and one must escape i make my way through a suite of handsomely appointed rooms evidently ministerial apartments with furniture of a color between brown and violet and at last i come to a corridor in which the housekeeper a fat elderly woman is seated i try to avoid speaking to her but she apparently thinks i have a right to pass this way because she asks whether she shall accompany me with the lamp i indicate with a gesture or tell her that she is to remain standing on the stairs and it seems to me that i am very clever for after all i am evading detection now i am downstairs and i find a narrow steeply rising path which i follow again indistinctly it is as though my second task were to get away from the city just as my first was to get out of the building i am riding in a one-horse cab and i tell the driver to take me to a railway station i can't drive with you on the railway line itself i say when he reproaches me as though i had tired him out here it seems as though i had already made a journey in his cab which is usually made by rail the stations are crowded i am wondering whether to go to krems or to zenaim but i reflect that the court will be there and i decide in favor of grads or some such place now i am seated in the railway carriage which is rather like a tram and i have in my buttonhole a peculiar long braided thing on which are violet brown violets of stiff material which makes a great impression on people here the scene breaks off i am once more in front of the railway station but i am in the company of an elderly gentleman i think out a scheme for remaining unrecognized 
but i see this plan already being carried out thinking and experiencing are here as it were the same thing he pretends to be blind at least in one eye and i hold before him a male glass urinal which we have to buy in the city or have bought i am thus a sick nurse and have to give him the urinal because he is blind if the conductor sees us in this position he must pass by without drawing attention to us at the same time the position of the elderly man and his urinating organ is plastically perceived then i awake with a desire to urinate the whole dream seems a sort of fantasy which takes the dreamer back to the year of revolution eighteen forty eight the memory of which had been revived by the jubilee of eighteen ninety eight as well as by a little excursion to wachau on which i visited emmersdorf the refuge of the student leader fischoff to whom several features of the manifest dream content might refer the association of ideas then leads me to england to the house of my brother who used in jest to twit his wife with the title of tennyson's poem fifty years ago whereupon the children were used to correct him fifteen years ago this fantasy however which attaches itself to the thoughts evoked by the sight of count thune is like the facade of an italian church without organic connection with the structure behind it but unlike such a facade it is full of gaps and confused and in many places portions of the interior break through the first situation of the dream is made up of a number of scenes into which i am able to dissect it the arrogant attitude of the count in the dream is copied from a scene at my school which occurred in my fifteenth year we had hatched a conspiracy against an unpopular and ignorant teacher the leading spirit in this conspiracy was a schoolmate who since that time seems to have taken henry eighth of england as his model it fell to me to carry out the coup d'etat and a discussion of the importance of the danube german dono to austria wachau was the occasion of an open revolt one of our fellow conspirators was our only aristocratic schoolmate he was called the giraffe on account of his conspicuous height and while he was being reprimanded by the tyrant of the school the professor of german language he stood just as the count stood in the dream the explanation of the favorite flower and in putting it into a buttonhole of something that must have been a flower which recalls the orchids which i had given that day to a friend and also a rose of jericho prominently recalls the incident in shakespeare's historical play which opens the civil wars of the red and the white roses the mention of henry the eighth has paved the way to this reminiscence now it is not very far from roses to red and white carnations meanwhile two little rhymes one in german the other in spanish insinuate themselves into the analysis rosen tulpen nelken aye blumen velken and isabelita no llores que se marquitan las flores the spanish line occurs in figaro here in vienna white carnations have become the badge of the anti-semites red ones of the social democrats behind this is the recollection of an anti-semitic challenge during a railway journey in beautiful saxony anglo-saxon the third scene contributing to the formation of the first situation in the dream dates from my early student days there was a debate in a german students club about the relation of philosophy to the general sciences being a green youth full of materialistic doctrines i thrust myself forward in order to defend an extremely one-sided position 
thereupon a sagacious older fellow-student who has since then shown his capacity for leading men and organizing the masses and who moreover bears a name belonging to the animal kingdom rose and gave us a thorough dressing down he too he said had herded swine in his youth and had then returned repentant to his father's house i jumped up as in the dream became piggishly rude and retorted that since i knew he had herded swine i was not surprised at the tone of his discourse in the dream i am surprised at my german nationalistic feelings there was a great commotion and an almost general demand that i should retract my words but i stood my ground the insulted student was too sensible to take the advice which was offered him that he should send me a challenge and let the matter drop the remaining elements of this scene of the dream are of more remote origin what does it mean that the count should make a scornful reference to coltsfoot here i must question my train of associations coltsfoot german huflatich lattice lettuce salathund the dog that grudges others what he cannot eat himself here plenty of opprobrious epithets may be discerned giraffe german af equals monkey ape pig sow dog i might even arrive by way of the name at donkey and thereby pour contempt upon an academic professor furthermore i translate coltsfoot who flottich i do not know whether i do so correctly by piecingleet i get this idea from zola's germinal in which some children are told to bring some dandelion salad with them the dog chien has a name sounding not unlike the verb for the major function chier as pisser stands for in the minor one now we shall soon have the indecent in all its three physical categories for in the same germinal which deals with the future revolution there is a description of a very peculiar contest which relates to the production of the gaseous excretion known as flitus and now i cannot but observe how the way to this flatus has been prepared a long while since beginning with the flowers and proceeding to the spanish rhyme of isabelita and to ferdinand and isabella and by way of henry the eighth to english history at the time of the armada after the victorious termination of which the english struck a medal with the inscription flavit et dissipati sunt for the storm had scattered the spanish fleet i had thought of using this phrase half-jestingly as the title of a chapter on therapy if i should ever succeed in giving a detailed account of my conception and treatment of hysteria i cannot give so detailed an interpretation of the second scene of the dream out of the sheer regard for the censorship for at this point i put myself in the place of a certain eminent gentleman of the revolutionary period who had an adventure with an eagle german adler who is said to have suffered from incontinence of the bowels incontinentia and etc and here i believe i should not be justified in passing the censorship even though it was an aulic counsellor aula consularisis alicus who told me the greater part of this history the suite of rooms in the dream is suggested by his excellency's private saloon carriage into which i was able to glance but it means as it so often does in dreams a woman the personality of the housekeeper is an ungrateful allusion to a witty old lady which ill repays her for the good times and the many good stories which i have enjoyed in her house the incident of the lamp goes back to grill parser who notes a charming experience of a similar nature 
of which he afterwards made use in hero and leander the waves of the sea and of love the armada and the storm i must forego a detailed analysis of the two remaining portions of the dream i shall single out only those elements which lead me back to the two scenes of my childhood for the sake of which alone i have selected the dream the reader will rightly assume that it is sexual material which necessitates the suppression but he may not be content with this explanation there are many things of which one makes no secret to oneself but which must be treated as secrets in addressing others and here we are concerned not with the reasons which induce me to conceal the solution but with the motive of the inner censorship which conceals the real content of the dream even from myself concerning this i will confess at the analysis reveals these three portions of the dream as impertinent boasting the exuberance of an absurd megalomania long ago suppressed in my waking life which however dares to show itself with individual ramifications even in the manifest dream content it seems to me that i am a cunning fellow making the high-spirited mood of the evening before the dream perfectly intelligible boasting of every kind indeed thus the mention of gras points to the phrase what price gras which one is wont to use when one feels unusually wealthy readers who recall master rabelais inimitable description of the life and deeds of gargantua and his son pantagruel will be able to enroll even the suggested content of the first portion of the dream among the boasts to which i have alluded but the following belongs to the two scenes of childhood of which i have spoken i had bought a new trunk for this journey the color of which a brownish violet appears in the dream several times violet-brown violets of a stiff cloth on an object which is known as a girl-catcher the furniture in the ministerial chambers children we know believe that one attracts people's attention with anything new now i have been told of the following incident of my childhood my recollection of the occurrence itself has been replaced by my recollection of the story i am told that at the age of two i still used occasionally to wet my bed and that when i was reproved for doing so i consoled my father by promising to buy him a new red bed in n the nearest large town hence the interpolation in the dream that we had bought the urinal in the city or had to buy it one must keep one's promises one should note moreover the association of the urinal and the woman's trunk box all the megalomania of the child is contained in this promise the significance of dreams of urinary difficulties in the case of children has already been considered in the interpretation of an earlier dream cross-reference the dream in chapter five a the psychoanalysis of neurotics has taught us to recognize the intimate connection between wetting the bed and the character trait of ambition then when i was seven or eight years of age another domestic incident occurred which i remember very well one evening before going to bed i had disregarded the dictates of discretion and had satisfied my needs in my parents bedroom and in their presence reprimanding me for this delinquency my father remarked that boy will never amount to anything this must have been a terrible affront to my ambition for allusions to this scene recur again and again in my dreams and are constantly coupled with enumerations of my accomplishments and successes as though i wanted to say you see i have amounted to something after all this childish scene furnishes the elements for the last image of the dream in which the roles are interchanged of course for the purpose of revenge 
the elderly man obviously my father for the blindness in one eye signifies his one-sided glaucoma is now urinating before me as i once urinated before him by means of the glaucoma i remind my father of cocaine which stood him in good stead during his operations as though i had thereby fulfilled my promise besides i make sport of him since he is blind i must hold the glass in front of him and i delight in allusions to my knowledge of the theory of hysteria of which i am proud if the two childish scenes of urination are according to my theory closely associated with the desire for greatness their resuscitation on the journey to alsi was further favored by the accidental circumstance that my compartment had no lavatory and that i must be prepared to postpone relief during the journey as actually happened in the morning when i woke with the sensation of a bodily need i suppose one might be inclined to credit this sensation with being the actual stimulus of the dream i should however prefer a different explanation namely that the dream thoughts first gave rise to the desire to urinate it is quite unusual for me to be disturbed in sleep by any physical need least of all at the time when i woke on this occasion a quarter to four in the morning i would forestall a further objection by remarking that i have hardly ever felt a desire to urinate after waking early on other journeys made under more comfortable circumstances however i can leave this point undecided without weakening my argument further since experience in dream analysis has drawn my attention to the fact that even from dreams the interpretation of which seems at first sight complete because the dream sources and the wish stimuli are easily demonstrable important trains of thought proceed which reach back into the earliest years of childhood i had to ask myself whether this characteristic does not even constitute an essential condition of dreaming if it were permissible to generalize this notion i should say that every dream is connected through its manifest content with recent experiences while through its latent content it is connected with the most remote experiences and i can actually show in the analysis of hysteria that these remote experiences have in a very real sense remained recent right up to the present but i still find it very difficult to prove this conjecture i shall have to return to the probable role in dream formation of the earliest experiences of our childhood in another connection chapter seven of the three peculiarities of the dream memory considered above one the preference for the unimportant in the dream content has been satisfactorily explained by tracing it back to dream distortion we have succeeded in establishing the existence of the other two peculiarities the preferential selection of recent and also of infantile material but we have found it impossible to derive them from the motives of the dream let us keep in mind these two characteristics which we still have to explain or evaluate a place will have to be found for them elsewhere either in the discussion of the psychology of the sleeping state or in the consideration of the structure of the psychic apparatus which we shall undertake later after we have seen that by means of dream interpretation we are able to glance as through an inspection hole into the interior of this apparatus but here and now i will emphasize another result of the last few dream analyses the dream often appears to have several meanings not only may several wish fulfillments be combined in it as our examples show but one meaning or one wish fulfillment may conceal another until in the lowest stratum one comes upon the fulfillment of a wish from the earliest period of childhood and here again it may be questioned whether the word often at the beginning of this sentence may not more correctly be replaced by constantly end section 18